Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Welcome to Mentally Yours, a weekly podcast on mental health issues brought to you by Metro.co.uk. I'm Ellen, I've got a lovely event with me. Coming up, we're talking about anorexia and self-harm. As a country, we're obsessed with food, but according to charity Beat, more than 725,000 people in the UK are affected by an eating disorder. Our guest this week is Frances Coleman-Williams. She writes about mental health at Mindful Survivor, as well as blogging at metro.co.uk. She's also an old school friend of mine. We both had serious mental health issues in our teens. We just never talked about them. Today's the day. Francis, welcome to the show. So, anorexia and self-harm, when did you start getting affected? I think it was probably from when I was about 13. I don't really remember it exactly, um, because I obviously didn't see it as a mental health problem to start with, but um, initially it was trying to skip meals, trying to sort of just manage what I didn't even I didn't even know that I was trying to manage my emotions at the time I was yeah. just a bit of a mess really um, but trying to get through teenage life um, then um, a little while later a few months later I um, I don't really know what it was but I sort of thought that cutting myself might help um, thinking back it doesn't quite make sense why I thought that would help but um, it did um, and it just sort of grew from there um, the eating disorder side of things just got bigger and bigger I was missing more meals um, and then the the weight side of things became more of an issue and I liked the fact that I was losing weight and things like that and then the self-harm side of things got worse and worse in terms of um, how often I did it and how how bad it was when you started skipping meals do you remember what the trigger was for it like what made you think okay i'm gonna skip meals was it weight related or um 
it's quite a long time ago now, yeah. but when I first started thinking, you know, like you say, what was it that triggered it? Um, I do remember thinking sort of when puberty was hitting my friends, when it hit people that were older than me, um, I sort of obviously noticed their bodies changing and I was just like, crikey, that can't happen to me. That just, that looks completely hideous. Um, and it really scared me. And obviously other changes happen at puberty and I was scared of them and it was just all a bit of a mess really. So it was probably puberty itself that kind of triggered it off. Um, but also thinking back, I'd kind of never really knew what emotions were. So kind of with, it was kind of all combined together. This is quite a strange conversation for me to be having with you because obviously we went to school together. Yeah. And so we were in the same friendship group at that age. Mm. And um, I, had, I had no idea about that sort of side of things at all for other young people who might be going through something like that or they suspect their friends might be going through something like that is there anything that they can look out for or is there anything that you, you think they could maybe do the last thing I want is for anyone who's known me either back then or now or during the the last sort of 20 years I've been struggling is to feel guilty or to feel that they are in any way um, responsible or anything that's the last thing I want and it's really really tough because I think when people first start having problems no matter what they are you're going to hide it mm. I think that is just what you naturally do um, it's what I did I didn't even I didn't even know I had problems it was just what I was automatically doing was just this is how I'm coping with it inside me and your brain's inside you and I was coping inside me and it's not like I sort of dra I didn't dramatically lose half my body weight or anything so mm. and I've, I've never done that yes I have at times been um, more underweight than other times but I don't think it was ever obvious from an outside point of view yeah um so it's really tough and as i said um just now i've always been quiet so mm. one of the typical things you say about a teenager is you, you know if their behavior changes if they go quiet if yeah. their grades slip if they um start hanging around with the wrong people or something and i didn't do any of the classic things so i don't think anyone could have spotted it in me to be honest mm. um I did go to my GP. Unfortunately, I didn't get what I needed from him. Um, I did write a blog about that. I don't know if anything could have been different um, if I had had any other help. But I think, you know, the things I just mentioned, if anyone does exhibit those things, then great, you know, <laughs> try and talk to them and try and say, is there anything I can do? But with me, I don't think, I don't think anyone could have done, to be honest. You mentioned about your GP. I know you've written for me about that. I think basically I went because I, because I knew I was hiding things. I think that was the thing. I was quite an honest person. I wanted to be an honest person. I knew that was the right thing to do, but I knew I was hiding things. I knew I was being secretive, and but I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know why I was doing it. I certainly didn't have a label for it. I just knew it all felt wrong, and it all just felt a mess and I I knew it was sort of related to how I felt about my body and but you didn't it, know what was right I so just had no idea yeah. what, what what was going on so I, I went along to my GP I am aware also my mum was aware at this time that again that something was wrong but I don't think she knew what um, I think she, she knew I was going and she was glad I was going so I went along and sort of tried to explain myself um, but unfortunately um, he just didn't respond how I needed he basically just focused on on the weight and that was sort of the the criteria he focused on as to whether I would get help or not 
and since it, it wasn't massively low he just sort of said okay well off you go um, I mean to give him credit he did he did refer me to a dietitian well he said he would refer me to a dietitian and at the time as a teenager I didn't know what a dietitian did as far as I was concerned they would sort of give me a plan say yeah. here this is what you need to eat mm. and I thought well I I know what to eat um, I didn't have a problem with that I was relatively intelligent I knew I needed yeah. carbs protein fruit vegetables I knew what I needed to eat I couldn't do it there was like this other thing going on mm. so when he said that I just thought that's really not what I need yeah. I, I didn't know what I did need but that didn't that didn't fit the bill so I turned that down I mean maybe if I'd gone down that route they might have been able to help I don't know um, but that was sort of that door shut it's almost like he was sort of implying that it wasn't bad enough that was definitely the sense I got um yeah. definitely from the from stepping on the scales and his his you know well it's not that bad really yeah. I just kind of thought okay I need to lose more weight yeah if if I'm going to be listened to if I really did have a sense at that stage that I needed help already you know yeah. I sort of there was something in me that was already in this kind of downward spiral of I don't know, just destruction. Um, and uh, But there was a little bit of me that still wanted help at that point. And I thought, well, if I want help, I need to get worse. That just didn't didn't make sense. But mm. it was very bizarre. Um, yeah. But it is the case. I mean, every time I've entered services subsequently, it is that like that. is actually how it is. It's no like that with what. depression. Have you ever filled in that jolly form where it's like, rate how terribly depressed you are? I mean, you maybe haven't, but like, yeah. so <laughs> if, you, if you have the jolly form where it's like, how depressed are you? And it's just like, I can't remember what that. I'm not going to sort of say all the terrible things you say. Definitely filling in the form makes you feel bad to start with. Yeah, like so. how much are you not sleeping? How much are you eating? How much yeah. are you eating? Yeah. All these things. And you're like, oh, well, I'm only rating one on that. Should I be rating two? Should yeah. I be Should yeah. I be worse to get help? I yeah, it's really hard. It's yeah. so hard to try and get help when just stepping through the door to say excuse me can I have some help please is hard enough yeah it's a massive deal you're already trying to reach a certain goal and they're like well you haven't reached it yeah like yeah. you failed at yeah. being an anorexic or having <laughs> that's exactly which is insane. how I felt yeah it's so dangerous yeah. yeah is that still is that still the case do they still have like requirements for it is different treatment? in different areas yeah. but unfortunately that is the case in most areas yeah they still have the BMI criteria and it, it is just shocking because that's got nothing to do with an eating disorder it's to yeah. do with your brain it's not to do with your body and how much you're eating it's to do with how you feel about what you're doing not it's just it's just really it's really crazy but yeah. they kind of want this scale mm. and it's literally the bathroom scale and that's just 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 crazy when it comes to someone who's really struggling i genuinely can't believe it that so angry. <laughs> i know it's awful isn't it that's awful um i'm a bit clueless really if i'm honest about anorexia can you kind of describe to me what it really actually is i can try it's, it's yeah. really difficult isn't it so when you've been inside something it sort of makes sense to you yeah but yeah um i think basically for me it was it was control um and it, it, trying to trying to put it into sort of words like that. So it really was about, um, especially at puberty, your body's out of control. So it's like, what can I control? Mm. Um, you, you're at school. You're being told what classes to go to. You're being told, you know, what what you have to do day in day out. And I'm not not like I wasn't in a strict environment or anything like that. I I didn't have a bad upbringing. I really didn't. But I just I just wanted 
to control something and I suppose I also wanted to control my emotions and that's perhaps where the self-harm comes in as well um, so I mean what's really quite I don't want to um, say this about all people with anorexia because obviously I'm a, I only have one experience but mm. my experience is also I love food as well um, but it so there's also this weird thing of trying to punish yourself as well because it's like oh well I I love chocolate so I won't have it because then I'm being really good and so you feel better about yourself mm -hmm. um, and if I can not have it then it, there's, I don't know, there's just this weird thing that goes on in your head about just, just wanting to feel better and that's a way of feeling better yeah. is having that control and having that way of achieving something if you're kind of constantly feeling like you're not achieving and I don't know, it doesn't... That in itself as well is, is kind of really sad for me because again, we went to school together and like you're a massive high achiever like I knew you were getting... A's and everything and you know like no she was amazing like A's and all the things and like amazing at all the sports and just like it's bizarre so, isn't it though yeah. I mean it doesn't it's exactly that though mental illness doesn't discriminate it, no. it doesn't kind of it doesn't target people who aren't achieving it I mean I'm not I wasn't that great really but I suppose that those things suddenly weren't good enough suddenly I needed to achieve something else I don't know it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense in a way mm. um, but then once once ingrained in it 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 becomes this kind of almost this sort of evil force where mm. you just you can't see anything but avoiding food that's just the only thing you focus on and it's this just this spiral of nothing but avoiding food you avoid social situations you avoid just absolutely everything mm -hmm. that involves food and it's just just rules your life um so would there be sort of situations then where like you wouldn't have come to a sleepover or a party or something and it would, would have been because you knew that there'd be unhealthy food there or just food in general there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, at school, it probably wasn't that bad. Um, and by the time I went to uni, sort of then you do completely change. You, I didn't go to uni with anyone I knew. Mm. So it was a case of sort of I made friends and then they kind of knew that I didn't go do those social things yeah. so I was just the person they didn't bother inviting me because they knew I didn't go mm -hmm. so I was just that person and they had no idea why um, but I suppose at school the way I managed it would be to sort of avoid other meals so I would still go to the sleepover and perhaps eat less but I'd still try and blend in and still try and mm. hopefully no, you know like just sort of do enough so that no one would notice yeah. but I would have sort of skipped breakfast and lunch instead or whatever it was kind of a weird mix of trying to get away with it. Are there any things that kind of annoy you about the way that anorexia is depicted generally sort of in films or TV or the media or the things that people kind of just generally assume about it? Um, I think it is getting better but I think the biggest thing is that it's it is kind of glamorised it is seen as this like an extreme kind of, diet basically. Yeah. yeah yeah and of all the of all the mental illnesses it's sort of the nice one to have it is kind of the oh well if I had if I had to have one I wouldn't mind having that one because you just kind of get a bit thin and yeah. then you know it's just like that's the only thing bad about it have you ever had this is something that I've heard people say so often it's like oh I wish I could be anorexic uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah don't, don't yeah. say that 
Yeah, it's really, it's really hard because that is all you see, though, isn't it? Yeah. From the outside, you just see someone who's managing to lose a bit of weight. Aren't they lucky? Um, but until you're actually inside it or go, even just watching someone go through it um, and the pain that they go through and just... Mm. It, it's just not like that at all. Yeah. It's just and the risk as well, because it's really yeah. at, at very low weights. It's, it's just really dangerous, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah. yeah. I think I read somewhere it's like the highest. It's got the highest mortality rate of all the mental illnesses. Yeah, it has. So people can actually die from the anorexia itself from being malnourished or whatever. And obviously, the um, having bulimia or sort of purging and binging tendencies as well. Mm. So not necessarily a diagnosis of bulimia, but mm. um, that also messes up all your body chemistry and everything. Mm. Um, but then afterwards, the consequences that you could end up dealing with. I mean, I've got all sorts of things wrong with my body now that I don't know if they're a consequence because I may have had them anyway, mm. but um, it, they could have contributed. Um, so I've got problems with my bones. Um, I've got fibromyalgia that, that could have been related. Um, I might be infertile. Um, and people just don't sort of think, think these things are anything to do with it. But actually, once you've starved your body for that long, even though I was never kind of absolutely emaciated, I was never that bad, even so for just going through it for so long and never really... I mean, I didn't sort of do puberty properly because I was always trying to cut back and trying to cut back. So mm. I've just kind of not let my body develop properly. Um, and people just don't see that side of it at all. Have you been getting help for it? Like, how yeah. did you kind of come out the other side and start getting better? Yeah, so, I mean, now, fantastically, I'd say I would actually use the word I am completely recovered. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. That's so, really cool. <laughs> no, I was really careful not to <laughs> yeah. use the word, because I'm like, <laughs> still okay. going through it. So, great. yeah, so for ages I was saying I was in recovery. Yeah. The sort of the phrase I would like to use, that I was... Um, either in therapy or even when I finished therapy I was in recovery still really struggling but um, although I still have I still struggle I still yeah. have like if I'm gonna eat out or at a new restaurant or something I have to check the menu and all sorts of things so I think that's fairly normal I think lots of people have to do that so yeah. um, I think what I do is, is in in the bounds of normal um, so the fantastic therapy I've had, eventually, I went through all sorts of different, different things, um, mainly partly because I had sort of other symptoms as well that we touched on earlier, like the self-harmer things. Um, but um, I had eventually, through the eating disorder service in Berkshire, I saw a systemic therapist. Um, and the idea behind that is that they treat kind of the whole, the whole system. So they treat um, not just sort of you but they look at your situation they look at oh, your sort of cool. work life your family life your social life yeah. and they don't just look at you and your illness and it was really funny going to him to start with because I just wanted to talk about my illness yeah. I was like well what about my food I haven't eaten anything today um, and he'd sort of start talking about like how I was how work was and how my social life was and I was like but I haven't eaten anything today <laughs> um, so it, that was like really really helpful and he um, also the the greatest thing about him was that he would just see me for as long as I needed to see him. Um, unfortunately, in the NHS, you do tend to get quite finite 
mm. number of sessions, um, mm. but I don't know how he managed that. He just said he just kept seeing me until I'd finished, until it was me who said, right, I've had enough Was now. this through the NHS? Or? It was, yeah. It's amazing. That's really um, good. I don't, I, think, I don't know how that happened, but yeah. um, I even moved out of Berkshire into Hampshire and wrote to my CCG and said, look, this is really important. I really need this to continue. Yeah. This, is the, this is helping. Nothing else has helped ever before this. Um, I really need to keep seeing him. I was quite well at the time and didn't think I'd need too much more, but I just needed to kind of finish off yeah. with him. And have that and safety net a bit. Yeah, unfortunately, they, they did say, they said um, I could see, keep seeing him. How did you decide to like stop going to therapy and then just go back into therapy-free life? Really hard. Yeah, I feel like it must be. <laughs> really, really hard. Um, I, tr- I, I sort of tried stopping a few times, as in I sort of thought about it. I yeah. didn't actually quite stop with him. But it's really weird, because with most relationships, you if it's going well, you carry it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're seeing a bloke and it's going well, you think about marrying him. But obviously, if a therapy's gone well, then you stop it, and it's just seemed like a really bizarre, bizarre thing to do when I... This guy has literally changed my life. Yeah. Um, so I think it just had to be that now now my mental health is not central to my life anymore and I just had to think everything else has has taken over. I now yeah. do have a full life again. Um, and, you know, it, is that part, is the mental health part of my life, is it kind of small enough now to sort of eke him out yeah i mean to be honest he's still a bit of a safety net because he does do private practice so i could i could go and see him privately and i just feel awful because so many people don't have that as an option yeah um if you go through the nhs you just have you know your six sessions or your 12 sessions and you just don't have what i've had i've been so lucky well Well, we are really very angry about this shit yes we are really very angry about this shit Thanks, Francis. This week, something I am extremely pissed off about is the massive waiting list for therapy on the NHS. Yeah. Um, as of this week, it's been over three months since I asked for help for my men- mental health issues. Um, and I have heard nothing since then. No online therapy, no recommended therapy, um, literally just pills and no additional help with it. Um, the sad thing is that I spoke to other people and they've been on waiting lists for eight months, for years. They've never received help and just given up. Yeah. And it's just if you can't afford private therapy, you're just kind of screwed and just left on your own. Deal with it. And maybe one day you'll get a phone call saying, OK, you've got therapy now. Yeah. It's driving me insane, literally. When, you, when you've written about that and when you've talked to me about that, I think it's really made me think because the sad thing about that is that actually didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And I think it's really good you have been writing about it and sort of showing that it is actually a big deal because I have private therapy now just because I got to the point where I just thought, no, I I need this help and I'm not going to get it from the NHS. So I'm just going to have to, you know, this is just something that's obviously very important and, you know, it's worth it. It's more important than, I don't know, a gym membership or it's more important than, I don't know, buying some extra clothes every month or whatever. Um, But it is very expensive and the thing is, it it shouldn't be a luxury anyway. Like, exactly. I'm in full-time work, so I can afford it, but lots of people can't afford it. So they are really dependent on the NHS for it. And, yeah, it's 
absolutely horrendous that it's not available. Yeah, it's insane. And just the fact that, because I'm now at the point where it's like, well, could I budget for it? And it's like, maybe I could. But I shouldn't. That shouldn't be something that I have to think about or deal with. Like, why is there not provisions if you don't have that money and you don't have that cushion to fall back on? Yeah. Because um, there are loads of people that literally cannot afford it, and yeah. they will just be without any help for months or years. And the terrible thing about it is, it kind of comes back to something that Frances was saying about when she was talking about when she went to the doctor, and the doctor was almost sort of saying, "Oh, well, it's not bad enough. Yeah, your anorexia is not bad enough." So like. You didn't, it's almost like not a thing, so maybe come back when it's really bad or something. Um, I get the sense that it's like that on the, in the NHS now, generally, for yeah. lots of mental health conditions. So it's like if you get to a really critical point, so if, you're, if you need to be hospitalised, then yes, you will be treated, and that's the point when you will get attention. But lots of the steps sort of leading up to that, exactly. where you could get intervention earlier, the sort of preventative measures there just seem to be less and less of them. I think if, if we're going to talk about this sort of stuff, we need to talk about maybe kind of the importance of charities as well yeah. and how much they do help. Things like um, the Samaritans, things like Mind, um, because all the, although the NHS sort of helps as much as they can, I suppose, with the funding that they've got, there are some fantastic charities out there um, who you can go to if you're, exactly. you are feeling bad and you haven't got the sort of support that you wanted from your DP, um, I think we would need to, to sort of say, yeah, they're there. Stupid crap, my brain has told me, yes boy, I'm oh stupid, 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 stupid. Stupid crap, my brain has told me this week. Um, I guess I've been in a little bit of a depressive sort of ebb this sort of past week. And um, the kind of thoughts I get, I mean, I'm on mood stabilizers, so it's the highs and the lows aren't as bad as they were like before I was on them. So that's great. But one of the thoughts that I've sort of had, and it was a classic sort of really late night thought, um, and it, I think it kind of sums up a lot of sort of depression for me, was just, what's the point? Which, like, as a phrase, what's the point? That sounds, yeah, you're laughing now, because it's like a teenage thing. It's, it's almost like that mm, shrug, what's yeah. the point? But, like, if you take it to, like, a serious level and then you sort of start to think, what's the point? I mean, that kind of sums up to me a lot of... a lot of sort of depression. So, like, what's the point of me sort of writing something? Or what's the point of me... Because at the moment I'm meant to be looking for my own place, so yeah. what's the point of me looking for my own place? So, and I think in terms of depression generally, as it gets worse, it can get sort of, you know what's the point of getting up? I get that sometimes at the weekend. So yeah. what's the point of even getting up? Um, which, I mean, like, talking about is weird, like, to you now, because obviously you might say, well, it's the point of getting up is so you can go outside and meet people. But like, I wasn't thinking <laughs> that at all. I was like, same. <laughs> Stayed in bed until 2 p.m. this weekend. Not a joke. So, yeah, no, I completely get that. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of... I think you, we need to... I think it's helpful to maybe think about these things that kind of pop into our brain and why they're ridiculous because yeah. what's the point is ridiculous and it can get bigger and bigger in terms of like a depressive episode because if you think about it like it can end up being what's the point of getting up at all like when I was younger I basically stayed in bed for like god I don't know maybe about six months and then my mum finally dragged me to the doctor and ended up taking some antidepressants and I felt a lot better but like so what's the point of getting up or like in the worst case you know what's the point of living 
Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's that sort of phrase. What's the point? You know what, genuinely, and this is taking a very deep question to really basic level. Yeah. What genuinely helps me is like every day I'll have some kind of thing to look forward to. Yeah. And even if it's something really small, like... At the weekend, sometimes I'll make poached eggs on toast, but I make really good poached eggs. Oh, I love poached eggs. Yeah, yeah, poached eggs That's are understandable. Great. Yeah, with like sea salt, cracked black pepper. Yeah, dill if I'm feeling fancy. But what, when I'm asking, what's the point of waking up? Even if everything else feels pointless, I'm like, well, I can make some really great poached eggs, and that's a really good reason to wake up. Yeah, and it can be really stupid, silly things like, I really want to watch that TV show, mm. or maybe I'll see a cat today, <laughs> which is genuinely a motivation all the time. Maybe um, I'll see a cat. Sometimes I very rarely it do. It could be a really fluffy one. Well, last week, a cat just came into my house and it was a highlight. Oh. And genuinely, so this is a nice story. Basically, I was in bed and I was feeling really low. Mm. I was still in my pajamas and then my housemate messaged me with a picture of this cat that had come into the kitchen. Yeah. And I immediately jumped out of bed, got dressed and went downstairs. Yes. That cat like rescued my whole day and you never know when your cat will come into the house it could always happen there's always a point and sometimes it will be a cat yeah that's my question it's important that you mention like small things like that actually because like i thought it was just me that sort of have things like that like tv shows or films like i'll get ridiculously excited because i'll be like well this thing's on tonight yeah so and and yeah again we're gonna (laughs) i'm gonna take it really dark again but like when i was sort of really depressed I think I was basically at some points so I was just like when Desperate Housewives was on I was obsessed with that show I love that show so um, so when I was feeling really depressed I'd be like well I can't kill myself this week because I need to see what happens that's great because <laughs> it's Desperate a really because it's a really good show genuinely so yeah that show kind of helped to keep me alive in a weird way some is goodbye from mentally Go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 Mentally Yours is a weekly podcast on mental health issues brought to you by metro.co.uk. If you've not already, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Why not tweet us at Yvette Caster and at Ellen C. Scott. Our producer is Sam Bonham. Thanks to Lucy Baker for the jingles. And we'll see you next week. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.